Welcome to the Field and Garden Podcast. I'm Jessie from the Gardener's Workshop. Today I'm sharing a recent clubhouse chat where Lisa talks about what to do when you have to leave the flower garden or farm during the growing season. Whether you have a scheduled or an unexpected trip coming up, there are a few things you can do before you go that will make your return so much easier. Listen in for some great tips. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Flower Farmer Show. My name is Lisa Mason Ziegler. Glad to have you guys here. And I think it's a great time for us to talk about this on managing a flower garden or even a farm and, you know, going on vacation and how to make the return home maybe not quite so bad as it can be. But before we jump into our topics, um, just if for you folks that may not be familiar with us, um, you can learn more about me and all the work that the Gardener's Workshop is doing over at thegardenersworkshop.com. And there is just a ton of resources over there. So we're really an educational platform that also sells the supporting tools, seeds, and supplies. We have free resources as well as structured online courses um, and even online schools if you're trying to if you're trying to get started um, starting a flower-based business, whether it be a flower farmer, a farmer florist, a designer that is looking to connect with farmers, um, and so much more than that. Um, and we have a lot of great on-demand courses now which I'm just really trying to highlight them because we're learning that so many people don't realize that we do have courses that you can buy any time of the year. Um, some, two of the latest um, flower farming related are Ellen Frost's new course just last month, Preparing to Sell to Florist, which we are having rave reviews about. Um, I think it's like 50 bucks, $49.95. And then also Collectives 101, both of those are for the flower farmer that wants to get involved selling commercially um, and just really up in your game and scaling your business. The Collectives 101 is about, a lot of people call them co-ops, um, but actually it's a group of growers that get together and form organization to have somebody in the group that's actually handling the sales so they can farm and grow more and be more focused. Anyway, you'll find all those over at thegardenersworkshop.com. And um, I invite you to sign up for our newsletter while you're over there. That's where you will be in the know for everything. And lastly, I invite everybody to um, join me on Fridays at 12 noon Eastern time inside the Gardener's Workshop phone app. Um, yep, that's right, folks. We have an app and you can find it on your app store. Just search Gardener's Workshop phone, live shop and you'll find it. And it's on Fridays at 12 Eastern time. Um, it's for one hour. It's a shopping show, which means that you are able to buy on the spot when I show and talk about something. Um, and here's the rub. We always have some kind of special offers. We have bundles, things that we don't offer anywhere else. So check that out. Um, and we, I hope to really see you over there. So this topic came up, um, Jesse suggested this topic because first off, she's gone. So she's abandoned her farm. And I think that's was the driving force behind this. And it was really a great topic on, you know, perhaps how can we manage our flower garden or even a farm when you go on vacation? 
And, you know, I will definitely uh, say and agree that it's not easy to leave during the growing season because that in itself, I mean, it's growing. And so that means things are ever changing and um, going on whether you're there or not. So what you can, the best you can do is to facilitate making your return as less traumatic as possible. Um, I do remember, oh my goodness, years and years and years and years ago where I just had two quarter acre gardens, which are pretty big gardens, right? I can, I don't even remember where we went and we left in the growing season and it was a bad experience. We were, arrived home at night, so I couldn't see the garden. The next morning when the sun rose, oh my gosh, y'all from the flowers that were in the garden that were actually old now to weeds to the pathways there was just so much stuff out of control but in all honesty i did absolutely nothing to prevent any of that from happening and um, i kind of have a punch list that i'm going to go down and we'll see how far we get all of these steps at whatever level that you're at and the very first thing that um, I would consider is to have someone at least checking in on your garden or your farm while you're gone, someone with a little bit of knowledge. So for me, and nowadays that would be an employee for certain would still be coming on site and um, seeing to things. But, you know, if you are in the gardening world or in the flower farming world and you have friends or acquaintances that mean, have a little bit of knowledge. I only say that because they need to know what they're looking at, you know? I mean, so to have somebody that can drop in on your garden and have a look and maybe do something for you. And particularly if it's a cutting garden, which is, you know, what we're all focused on, right? Um, the first thing I would say to you is plan the day before you leave on vacation cutting your garden harder than you've ever cut it or cut it the last cut before you leave when you can actually do something with those flowers um, you don't want to wait till the very last minute but to cut that garden i mean if there's a bloom that you know it's going to be old by the time you get back cut it doing this step alone will relieve so much of the pressure when you come back to not have so many old flowers in your garden that nothing can be done with, but you have to cut them and drop them to get more new flowers to come. So my theory, I mean, it's the same theory I have when a hurricane's coming, cut the garden hard, hard, hard to just lighten the whole load out there. And that is one less really, and be honest, I mean, that's the worst part for me is coming back and seeing all those flowers that are done they're they're gone you know their life is over but yet we still have to do the labor to cut them and drop them so i would say if you do have that person coming to visit or an employee have them continue to cut in your absence hopefully an employee will be well versed in that but if you have a gardening friend that would be willing you can say to them come and cut my garden and give them to your friends or whatever, you know, that's their payment for coming and doing that. Um, it is so worth it to not come back to old flowers in your garden. Um, so doing a deep cut is always really, really helpful. 
Um, and the other thing that I find to be helpful is, you know, especially in this day when we all have phone apps for weather, to look at the two-week forecast to get an idea. I mean, if it's going to be 95 degrees the whole week you're gone, you know, you're probably going to have to have somebody do something for you for watering. Um, and so I will say first, I'll speak first to the people that have irrigation. You know, we're talking T-tape or drip lines, whatever you have. If you don't already have a battery powered timer for your irrigation system before you go on vacation is definitely the time to invest. I mean, they're like 25 bucks or something. Um, definitely the time to investigate in that process. So you don't have to worry about that. You can set the timer for what day and what time and how long and the whole nine yards. And I would also be sure that whoever is visiting your garden puts an eyeball on that. Stuff malfunctions, things happen, right? Um, so a timer on your irrigation system, which really, honestly, all that's like a lifesaver, even when you're not on vacation, um, to have it come on because it's drip, you can water at night and early in the morning um, and have that job done when you come out to your fields um, in the morning. That is the most effective time to water. There's not as much, um, it's not hot, the sun's not burning, so you get every drop of water where it needs um, to be. So let's say you don't have any irrigation. Um, so what I would recommend is again, purchase a battery powered timer, screw it on to your hose bib, that's the, where your water comes from, screw it onto your hose bib, hook it up to your hose and get yourself a sprinkler. I recommend and use when needed a tripod sprinkler. That's a sprinkler that's raised up off the ground. It's the, I don't know what they actually call the type of sprayer. It's not an oscillating. Um, it's the kind that goes around and around and shoots the water. And I would also recommend that you, and I just got this tip from my friend, Joe Lample of Joe the Gardener. Um, he recommended that you put weight bags on the feet of your tripod because stuff happens. I mean, if it gets a big surge of water, it can knock it over, you know, when that big gush comes out. Um, so by having a timer and a hose and an overhead sprayer, you know, overhead watering is not the best case scenario most of the time. Um, but if you do it early in the morning, you know, set it to come on at sunrise or right as the sun is rising, that's the least amount of evaporation that you get. Um, the plants have all day to get really good and dried off and you make the most of the water. So most of us have a hose. You may or may not have a tripod sprinkler tip. I think I paid like 75 bucks for mine. Um, super useful. And what that does, having a tripod, it lifts the sprinkler up above the canopies so that when it sprays water, it gets everybody. Um, and you could set that up to come on however many times you think based on what your weather forecast is or what your garden needs are. Um, and then the other thing that, I mean, I know there's always so much to do before you go away, right? But friends, all of this is going to make your return home so much better. <laughs> is, you know, I'm a, if you have growing pathways like I do, part of my pathways are mulched, part of them are grown, 
or growing vegetation, which is just whatever pops up. People think I plant it with grass seed, but it's not. It's just whatever grows there and it gets mowed every week. So that is the last job the night before I would leave would be to mow all of your pathways that need to be mowed. That will be really huge because in fact, I only mow once a week. Sometimes I even go a little longer than a week, which I don't recommend, but you can do that. If you do that the night before you leave, your pathways will be not a monster. Um, if you mow four days before you leave and then don't do it for a week, it is going to be like the icing on the cake of pushing you over the edge. Um, so mowing your pathways is really, really huge. Of course, if you have newly planted direct seeded beds, which we don't do any direct seeding in spring and summer, um, except I say never, I shouldn't say never. We do direct seed um, snap beans, bush beans. Um, if I had planted some bush beans and they're a week or two old, you better believe that I would do my hoeing chore right before I do that push mowing right before I leave so that I don't come back to a bed that's engulfed because the reality is once weeds in a massive way get out of get to a certain point you'll never regain control i mean you have so many other things to do on your to-do list when you return home that we hand pulling is not going to be at the top of your list so you might as well kiss those beds goodbye um, so paying close attention to that is doing any beds that you have no mulch on, no film on, that you are relying on cultivation, you need to cultivate just like you're going to mow the night before you leave for vacation. Um, so I want, I'm taking this one out of turn, but um, I also want to say that this tip is something that we should get into the habit of doing once a week. I mean, this could be, this is one of the things that I do on Sunday mornings. We don't typically work on Sunday. And so when I do my garden walk on Sundays, I know I'm not going to work, but my mind is working a little bit and I'm doing observations. And that's the other thing you need to do actually a few days before you go on vacation is to walk your garden with an investigator's eye. Um, you know, you're going to flip over leaf leaves to look on the other side to look for um, pest eggs. Um, do you see some plants that are, man, does that plant getting a disease? He's kind of yellowing, um, you know, kind of really put the hawkeye on your garden and then take a drastic step that will alleviate you coming back to a potential disaster. Now, let's just say if I have um, a bed of flowers and I see two or three that are wilting, which doesn't typically happen, but it can in certain types, um, I am quick to just reach in and pull those plants out and trash them, get them out of there, you know, before anything happens. Because what happens with some diseases is insects moving from plant to plant, their little feet get whatever the problem is, and then they spread it all over. So I'm really quick to eradicate whatever might, but even before I might even know what it is, it's like, what have I got to lose to get rid of the plant that's looking really bad, right? So doing this, I call it a scouting look around, 
Um, I would definitely recommend doing that a few days before you leave to go on vacation so you have time to do something about it. Um, and, you know, the best tip I ever got from my good friend, Jessica Walliser, um, she's the one that wrote Good Bug, Bad Bug and Attracting Good Bugs to Your Garden. Um, and she's also my editor. Um, she, I learned from her about putting like packing tape or masking tape um, inside out around your hand. It works like a hair roller. And so that you can just walk along and flip leaves over and look for eggs of pests, you need to know what good good bug eggs look like before you do this, and just stick them off and get them out of there so you don't come back to a real infestation. Um, so back to um, the garden part of this. Now, you know, hopefully you're already incorporating mulching of some kind, whether it's film or straw or bark. We use all of the above um, in your garden, you know, two inches of mulch or having film on your beds do so much to retain moisture. If you have open beds with soil showing, it is worth doing a quick mulching job, whether that's straw or get some chips or get some pine straw, whatever matter um, you have access to. The moisture that you put in your garden will last days longer, y'all. It just slows up the evaporation, it just slows it down so very, very much. Um, and if you do have mulch, um, you know, irrigating on top of mulch is perfectly fine, thinking about that overhead um, sprinkler. And um, you can irrigate one of two ways when you have mulch. You can do it on top of the mulch, which is definitely, you know, desirable if better than no irrigation, but the best place for irrigation to be is right under the mulch, under the film, or even a little bit under the soil. Um, when you bury your irrigation tape um, under the soil about an inch or so, that really keeps rodents from biting on your irrigation looking for water. That would be voles, moles, rabbits, squirrels, all of them, because they really don't see it down there. Um, so irrigation um, and then mulching, those two combos would really have your garden in great shape by the time you get home. Um, so I'm just looking at my list here, friends. Um, one of the other things is, I didn't know about this, but I heard Joe talking about it. There are even battery powered timers for your irrigation that are Wi-Fi accessible. Um, so a, a, a regular battery powered ear, um, timer would probably be like 25 bucks, I'm guessing. Um, a Wi-Fi version would probably be about $70. And, you know, it just depends. If you travel a lot, certainly the Wi-Fi would really be a beneficial thing. So I am just planting that seed there. Um, and then a couple other things. Um, you know, depending on what we're talking about, if you have pest pressure and you're really concerned about being gone, um, you know, row covers can be really useful in preventing the pests from getting to your plants, but you also need to keep in mind the heat factor. Um, just really depends on the plants. Um, and that really is more manageable in vegetables probably than it would be in flowers. Um, and the other pest 
that can really wreak havoc when you leave are deer. Um, so if you are, you know, fighting deer as most of us are, I would say to you that would be my, on my last day before I leave step is to, you know, mow the pathways um, and spray, cut the garden, cut the garden actually a couple of days before, um, mow those pathways and um, spray the garden for deer if that's what you're doing so that you've got a new dose. I mean, with no activity at your house that may, you know, they won't be disturbed at all. Um, so that is definitely something that you have to think about and, you know, make a, make a real punch list and just put it on your refrigerator or wherever you keep that stuff. And, um, you know, just taking those steps of cutting really hard, you know, a couple days before you leave. So you have time to do with it, whatever you have to do get a friend or an employee to, to come over and cut flowers. Um, and I mean, it's better for you to have somebody cut them and take them than for you to have to come home, be upset and disappointed over having old flowers that you then have to cut and drop and trash. Um, so water, cut, mow, scout, and just kind of set your garden up and you know, this is one of those preemptive things, you know, you, you're, you're going to, you're trying to prevent your return home. It's always a bummer, isn't it? Coming home from vacation to not have a total mess of a garden that, you know, you barely have time to get done the normal day to day in a garden to have an added extra mess makes you never want to leave again. Um, and I'm here to tell you that you can leave during the vacation season. I remember one friend um, who's a flower farmer with a pretty big farm, a no-till friend, um, said that the weeds were what were keeping them from going on vacation because their return was just such a mess. And then when we talked about it more, it's like they really didn't do anything to prevent that from happening while they were gone. It's like you should have a preventative weed prevention program all the time. And you definitely need to practice those steps right before you leave to try to hold on to what you have, you know, while you're gone. And, you know, friends, I, I don't think this will make anybody go on vacation, but I know that many of us have families that expect to go on vacation in the summer. You can't deprive your children um, and yourself and your partners. And, um, you know, so there are things that you can do, but you have to make as big a plan for your garden as you do for perhaps pets and livestock and everything else that we have that you just really have to um, take a little bit of time to make sure that your return is in such a way that you don't, the sun doesn't rise on your garden the day you've come back and you say, I am never leaving again. Or worse yet, you say, I'm throwing in the towel on this gig. Um, again, it's all about, it's choices and the what we choose to do or not to do. So I really appreciate y'all coming and being here this morning. And I hope that these tips were helpful 
And until we meet again, friends. Okay, welcome back. I've included links in the show notes to a few things that Lisa mentioned here, including Jessica Walliser's books and the Joe Gardner podcast. There's also a link to Lisa's club in the Clubhouse app. We took a summer break, but we'll be back there live on Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, starting in September. If you like what you're hearing here on the Field and Garden podcast, we'd love it if you'd tell a friend about us and leave a review for us wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm Jesse from the Gardener's Workshop, and I hope you have a great day. Mm-hmm.